Amen. All right, you guys can work your way back to your seat. But we got to remember, you know, God is good despite our circumstances. God is good despite the ups and downs. God is good in the highs and in the lows. That's good. That's good. Amen. All right. You guys excited for the goodness of God? Some of you are. I'm excited for it tonight in so many ways. I'm feeling strong, so I'm just gonna lift it for a minute. All right, all right. So I don't have much of a PowerPoint tonight. I don't have much of a. I do have notes, so I just need to get to those. Okay. I don't have a lot of a PowerPoint tonight, but I do have uh, a place that God wants to take us, and I'm excited about it. So we talked last week about giving, yeah? You remember? Take the box, bro, if you really need it. I'm just kidding. Uh, we talked last, night, last week about giving, tithing, the difference between those, and how we're going to like work really hard to raise money. The week before that, we talked about evangelism and the importance of just like getting out there and being intentional and t- telling people about Jesus. And this week, to kind of wrap up this series before our invite night next week, we are talking about servanthood. Servanthood. And I kind of titled this message today, I, Serving. Go low to go high. So you're taking notes. We want to see you taking notes. Why do I want to see you taking notes? Because honestly, by the time you get to small group, you already forgot everything I said. But if you look at your notes, if you take notes, you're going to be so much more intentional to remember. And these trendsetters behind me are taking notes because they want to set an example for you on how to take good notes. So if you would just close your eyes with me and think for a second. What do you want to be when you grow up? You have to close your eyes. What do you want to be when you grow up? You might picture an athlete. You might picture a YouTube gamer. You might picture a doctor. Maybe you're simple and you just want to build houses or cut grass. Okay, you can open your eyes again. Did you see it in your head? All right. Now, how many of you want to be mediocre at that thing? Like, just decent. How many of you want to be goaded at that thing? Leaders in the room, do we know what goaded means? All right, students, can we help them out? So, goaded is the greatest. Okay, let's try one more time. Greatest of. Greatest of all time. Who is the goat right now? You're right. Most people would say LeBron James, but that's okay. Depends on who you ask. I would say Jesus is the all-time GOAT, but hey, here's the thing. Let's go back. Let's go back. Bring it back in, okay? We all want to be the very greatest of all time at whatever it is that we are doing, right? We just want to, like, work our butts off and be really good, whether that's YouTube or it's gaming. Maybe we're an athlete. Maybe we just are, like, trying to work really hard. We want to be really great, right? But when it comes to serving... The concept is polar opposite, right? It's like polar opposite. When it comes to serving, we're called to go low. We're called to serve in the uncomfortable ways. 
Maybe the uncomfortable way for you is simply respecting and honoring your parents. Maybe the uncomfortable way for you is, um, is just inviting that friend to church that you didn't want to talk to. Maybe that uncomfortable way for you is helping out in kids' church on Sunday mornings. I don't know what it is for you, but I know that we all have uncomfortable spots when it comes to serving. But there are so many amazing stories of servants in the Bible. And one of my favorite ones, one of my favorite stories of all time, and I'm being honest with you, I, I remember this story, but it was brought to life in a whole new way. I'm going to be in 1 Samuel. That's where I'm going to pull this story from. I'm really not going to read very much. But you know that the story comes in 1 Samuel uh, chapters 16 and 17. It's all about David. Do you know David in the Bible? King David. Kind of a big deal in the Bible. He is the, the relative of Adam in the Bible and the, a great descendant of Jesus. So before Jesus, there was David. Before David, there was Adam. Before after Adam, before David, there's Abraham. All of those people in the Bible that the story kind of revolves around, David's right at the center as the king. But before he was a king, he was something so much smaller. What was he? Do you remember? He was a shepherd. Shepherd. He had a boring, poopy, stinky job. But you know what's crazy about David? Is he continued to serve God all of the time, despite his circumstance. You know what's crazy about David is that he went low for so long that God took him to the highest of highs, and his family is forever the family that Jesus came from. How crazy. David had an opportunity to choose to live out his, his royal life and just like do it his way, but instead he continued to turn to, to God over and over and over again. So if we start at David's origination story, the prophet Samuel, first Samuel, prophet Samuel, was asked by God to go out and find a king for Israel. They needed a new king. God was done with the old king. He wanted a new king. And so he asked Samuel, go out and find a new king. And Samuel was asked by God to go to the house of Jesse. Now, Jesse had a ton of kids, and they were all big, and they were all strong, and they were not David. Nope, David was not big, and he was not strong. He was still just a teenager, still just figuring out what it meant to be with the sheep out in the pastures. But one thing that he did do while he was out there is God gave him strength to defeat lions and tigers and bears. You're right. It was incredible the way that God had his hand on David to do these amazing things where he would have an encounter with a lion and be like, yo, I just grabbed the lion by the hair and God gave me strength and we just said, no more lion. That's wild if you think about it. Like, are we being real? Like a giant lion? No, we're not in Africa, but they were probably pretty much that big. Just grab it by the hair and be like, yo, you can't have my sheep no more. Do you think it's crazy or not? It's pretty crazy. I can't do it. I can't. Okay? I have trouble, like, shooting a deer during deer season. I, I definitely can't kill a lion that's coming at my sheep. But here's what happened. So Samuel went out there, and he said, how would I know which one you want to anoint king? And, and God said to Samuel, he said, do not consider his appearance. This is chapter 16, verse 7. Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And that is our theme for serving. 
that we can't serve from a place that we're worried about what people are going to think of us. We have to serve from a place that just puts God first because he looks at our heart. Here's an example for you church kids. We need to pick up the chairs after youth tonight. We're going to stack them all up. Are you going to be wondering who's watching you pick up the chairs? To see, oh, I mean, you don't. That's good. You don't have to respond. (laughs) But are you going to be wondering? Like, are, are we just wondering who's watching as I bring my speed the light offering forward? Or who's watching as we're doing that? Or who's watching as I'm at the altar praying or like seeking God? Or are we only worried about God and we're just doing exactly what he asks us to? Just like he asks us to serve and to love our neighbor. Right? So here's what happened next to David. He had been anointed to be king of Israel as the youngest son of Jesse, if you skip on in chapter 16. And later, the next time he appears is right before he fights the biggest fight of his life. It's David versus Goliath. And here's what happens. His father comes to him and he goes, yo, you can't go to war. You're just a little kid and you're anointed to be king, so we're not going to let you get messed up by the Philistines. Instead, you're going to hang out with me. And this big guy, Goliath, comes out to fight the army of Israel and stands at the border and says, if someone can come out here and kill me, the rest of the Philistines can be my slave. But if, if that person dies when they fight me, then Israel will be Philistine slaves. And so no one wanted to fight Goliath because he was how tall? He was nine feet, nine inches tall. Nine feet, nine inches. I don't know if anyone's ever been that tall again. And this was no, like, NBA Yao Ming, like, slanky, nine, seven-foot tall guy. No, no, he was nine feet, ten inches, and his, sword, his helmet alone, like, the armor that he carried, his, his actual spear shaft weighed 15 pounds. You get that? It's like a ten-foot pole with a 15-pound spear on it. I can imagine any one of us, because like us guys right here, the dudes in the room, not the leaders, the students in the room, so like my age and younger, you would have been the ones out there ready to fight the battle against the nine-foot guy. You ready to have a 15-pound spear thrown at you? None of them were. 40 days. Jesse... As the 40 days approached, he said to David, yo, these guys have been gone for so long. We need an update. We need to know what's going on. Here's a lunch. Bring a lunch to your brothers who are out of battle. Give me an update. Encourage them. So David went out there. He brought his lunch. And that that allowed him to see the giant. The spirit of God came over him and gave him confidence So he picked up five stones and he said, I have slayed all of these lions. A nine-foot man is not going to stop me. He takes one stone in his sling. Piece of cake, no problem. Falls over. And little David picked up a 36-pound sword and cut off David's head. Or Goliath's head. Whoa. Cut off Goliath's head. Guy's crazy. But the highlight of the story is always that David slayed Goliath, is it not? That's how the world knows the story. Everyone knows the David and Goliath story, right? It's the big guy versus the little guy. It's the little teenager versus the nine-foot man. Why was David a hero? Was it because he slayed the giant or was it because he was obedient to his father in taking a lunch to his brothers? Let's go backwards in our Bible a little bit and read that story. 
Not right now, on your own time. Read that story and watch how his brothers talk about David. I'll show you this part right now. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, this is 1728, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. That's what his oldest brother told him before he marched into battle to kill Goliath. You have anxiety? That's, that's like, that's a lot of shame to throw at somebody. Am I right? It's a lot of shame. But David, his heart was pure before the Lord, and he only wanted to serve the Israelite army, King Saul, and the Lord Jesus, the God of Israel, first. How cool is that? That when he brought a lunch, it made it happen. The second one, and hopefully you write down, bring a lunch, okay? It's as simple as that. The second one is to offer a ride. Jesus is approaching Jerusalem. He's approaching Jerusalem and he tells his disciples, go out and find a donkey for me to ride into town. And he said, there's going to be a young donkey tied up by the side of the road and I've already told them that you're coming. So the disciples, you know, like, whatever, let's go do it. And they go out there, and they go, and they, f- they find this donkey, and they bring it back to Jesus. And it's amazing. Here's what's amazing about the story of offering a ride, is they didn't give him the old donkey. They didn't give him the wore-out donkey. They give him the youngest, low-mileage, never-used-before, brand-new donkey for Jesus, never knowing whether or not it would come back. It was as simple as offering a ride. And what happened when they offered a ride? Jesus rode a donkey into Jerusalem and put a day on our calendar that we still celebrate as the triumphant entry into Jerusalem or Palm Sunday. As simple as offering a ride. And look how God wrote the story. How cool is that? Let's go to the third one. Carry a towel. Carry a towel was, was the most challenging one for me to work through as I was doing this because it, it just messes with your mind if you think about it for long enough. There's a story in the Bible, I'm sure you know about it, of a man that carried a, tab, a towel. And he carried it right to his death. It was amazing, really. Here's what was happening. Let me paint the picture for you. Jesus is in an upper room with his disciples, and the disciples are around the the table, and and what are they arguing about? They're arguing about who's going to be the goat. Which disciple is going to be remembered as the greatest of all time? Who's going to sit at the right hand of Jesus when they get to heaven? Maybe there's 12 people in the room plus Jesus. Maybe there's a few standing in the corner just watching, hoping that they might catch a glimpse of something amazing. But as Jesus is preparing the very last meal that he will ever have with his disciples on the earth, what are they thinking about? Who is going to be the goat in the kingdom? 
And they're not talking about Jesus. They're talking about each other. They're saying, who's going to be the greatest? And John says, you know, maybe it's going to be me. Maybe it's going to be me. You might notice in the Gospel of John, sometimes he writes, this is just kind of a joke, but sometimes he writes, uh, John, the disciple who Jesus loved. Maybe Peter was like, no, 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 no. Jesus told me I was going to be the rock. He told me I was going to be the rock that he built his church on. I'm going to be the greatest disciple. And they go back and forth and back and forth. And as they're doing so, Jesus gets a bowl. And he fills it with water. He takes out his, his outer garments and he's just wearing a towel. He kneels down on the floor and he says to his disciples, would you come here so I can wash your feet? Yo, the next time that I hear someone arguing about who's going to be the greatest or who's the best at sports or something, I want to be able to just like have a towel around my waist and like just be like, can I serve you? That was crazy, the amount of humility that that, that that portrayed on Jesus' part because while they're arguing about who's going to be the goat, all of a sudden he's down on one knee and being like, hey, can I wash your feet? Bro, I'm sorry, but I don't ever, I don't want to wash your feet. That sounds terrible. And you wear shoes. You know what I'm saying? I do not like feet. You know who else doesn't like my feet? Guess. Jessica doesn't really like my feet. She doesn't like feet in general. But my feet, she's like, Cole, you're just so great. And when she wrote the wedding vows to me, she was like, I love everything about you. And I'm just going to stay with you forever. And like, this is just going to be the best marriage ever. But she didn't say anything about my feet. They're so left out. Now, I give my wife foot rubs on a weekly or daily basis sometimes. So I'll just go to say that I am being more like Jesus in that sense. Just that sense. But y'all, feet are nasty, and so Jesus gets down, and he's about to wash your feet. They're like, no, 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 please don't do this. Let me do it for you. But he just waited there. He's like, you're just going to make me wait because I'm not moving. I'm going to wash your feet. I'm going to show the greatest act of service in the Bible right in this moment as you're so concerned about who's going to be the goat. I want to take a brief pause and talk about serving just for one second, a little bit outside of this context, then we'll come back. If somebody asked your best friend or your friends, what would your friends say that you're always doing? What would your friends say you're always doing? If you asked my wife right now, what, what, if I asked her, I was like, Jess, what do you think I'm always doing? She'd probably be like, oh, you're on your phone all the time. If I asked your friends what you were always doing, what you were known for, what would they say? Would they say that you're known for serving, that you're known for talking highly of other people, that you're known for paying attention, taking note in church? What would they say? There was actually a person in the New Testament in Acts 9.36. Her name was Tabitha. She was a disciple of Jesus, and she was always doing good and helping the poor. That's in the Bible about her. If you don't know her as Tabitha, you might know her as that one lady named Dorcas. Now, the reason I talk about her story is just for a minute is that she was so intentional with her service that when she died... When she died, the poor and the weak and those that she helped called out to Peter and Paul. And they came and they asked her 
they asked to pray for her. And she was actually raised back from the dead to continue her service to the poor. To continue her service of, of serving other people. That's no joke. That's what she was known for. So let's go back to carry a towel. Jesus is down there. He washes their feet, and he later tells them the story of, of how, how he's going to be leaving the earth soon. All of these different things takes them through communion, the Last Supper. But there's a parable in Matthew 25. And while all of the disciples were talking about being the goat, it, Matthew 25 comes right before the Last Supper. This, this story I'm talking to you about. And here's what he said to those that wanted to be the goat. He said, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. I'll read it from this one. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates goats. He's going to separate us based on the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and his, the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Y'all, I want to be a sheep, not a goat. The Bible says about sheep that they follow the shepherd's voice. That they are so intentional to follow the shepherd's voice that they learn it, that they study the Bible, that they listen up in church, that they're so intentional with their time that they hear the shepherd's voice and they begin to follow it. To no matter which way it goes, he might, he might be asking you tonight to be willing to bring a lunch, whatever that looks like. Maybe you really just need to bring a lunch money for somebody because they don't have it. He might be asking you to offer a ride, whether it be on a Wednesday night or to school, sports, whatever it might be. He might be asking you to do the greatest act of service of all time and carry a towel and put your, your friend, your neighbor, your brother, your enemy before yourself. Jesus did it for his enemy, too. He didn't just wash 11 disciples' feet. He washed 12. He washed the feet of Judas before he betrayed Jesus. So are we willing to be the sheep? Are we willing to go low to go high? Jesus said that, in the kingdom of God, the first will be last and the last will be first. Are we willing to be last for the sake of Jesus? Are we willing to accept the servanthood of our Savior who was so intentional that he would die on a cross to give you new life, to offer you hope. But the thing was, is that just like the disciples had to take off their sandal and offer their foot to Jesus, you have to take off your worldly rags and offer your life to Jesus. 
You have to be willing to let him transform you. Otherwise, you're just going to keep trying to do it on your own, and you're going to read your Bible, and you're going to try to pay attention, and you're going to try to conversate in, in small group, but you're just going to keep hitting a dead end. And if you would just surrender your life to Jesus and be willing to follow the shepherd's voice because you know what's right from wrong, and you know what he's calling you to, but it's sometimes difficult to do that thing. I was having a conversation with a friend who is like, I don't know what to do with this relationship in front of me. And we kind of went back and forth, not really, but ultimately I said, hey, you, you know what you're supposed to do. As uncomfortable as it may be, you know how you're supposed to handle that situation. You have to be willing to surrender. Because Jesus was willing to surrender his life first for you. And there's an opportunity in front of you students to go low. There's an opportunity to serve. And Speed the Light is just the beginning of the opportunity to serve. We have the Thanksgiving outreach coming up where you can give your Monday night to help students bring meals to people in need. Last year, I had to like call people to try to find people to give the 20 meals to. This year, I already have 20 meals, and it's a week away. There are people who need help, who want help, but are we willing to stand in that gap? Are we willing to go above and beyond? Are we willing to work hard and serve? Are we willing to try and raise money so that the gospel can go forward? Are we willing to surrender our lives for the cause of Jesus? So, next week we are doing our invite night, and we had a challenge that went out to invite three friends and try to get them to church sometime in the month of November. And the numbers don't lie, you guys are working hard at that. We have new friends coming to youth church all the time. This is not your responsibility for them to come back or to follow Jesus or anything like that. But he's given you influence and opportunity to invite people into the kingdom of God. So I would really encourage you that if you feel discouraged, like I can't raise money for Speed the Light, I don't have anything in my bank account, maybe there's an opportunity to go low. I don't have any friends. I can't connect with anyone at school. I just am not there yet. Maybe there's an opportunity to go low and find that person who needs a ride. I don't know where it's at for you, but I know that Jesus is calling you to do something very specific. And I just want to encourage you to write that down. I want to encourage you to take a picture of that in your brain. I want to encourage you to actually act on it because I want to be a sheep and I want you to be sheep, not goats. Not people that are obsessed with becoming the greatest of all time, that are obsessed with ourselves, that are obsessed with achieving greatness for the sake of our own name, but instead people that are obsessed with Jesus and the opportunity that we have to serve so that we can go so far in the kingdom of God. Students, would you just bow your heads with me? I know we have some, some new friends in the room, some people who maybe haven't had the opportunity 
to offer their lives to Jesus yet. And we're going to do this again next week, but I really want to do this right now. If you, if you can say 10 of 10, I die tonight, I'm going to heaven. Would you raise your hand right now? Just 10 of 10. There's no question in my mind when I die tonight, I'm going to heaven. Just put your hand up and then you're going to keep it up there. Okay. Now there's two other groups in the room. There's a group who's feeling number one. I have no idea who Jesus is at all. And then there's another group that's between two and nine. And the two and nine group is the one that just needs to, to just lean in a little further, to just be a little bit more intentional, to just be a little bit more active, to be a little bit more all about Jesus, even when people aren't watching. So if you're between a two and a nine, would you just raise your hand up right now that you want to go harder, you want to go further, you want to be a sheep obsessed with serving Jesus? Raise those hands up real high. You got to keep them up there for just a minute. Now to the the last person in the room, the ones, if you haven't raised your hand yet because you're not sure where you're at, and everybody's eyes are closed, there's no point in looking around yet, I'll let you look around in a minute. You have an opportunity tonight to take off your earthly rags and put on glorious riches from heaven, to put on the blessing of Jesus, to put on an opportunity to live a life that is filled with joy, that is filled with hope, that is filled with purpose. Because David found his joy in being a shepherd, not in slaying a giant. He first found his joy in being a shepherd. And if you want to dedicate your life to Jesus for the very first time, again, eyes closed, would you just raise your hand up as high as you can? All, all the other people have to keep them up too. All right, now with your hands in the air, can we look around? You see all the hands? These are all people that want to go on this journey with you. All people that want to participate in the, the journey of being a sheep and learning the shepherd's voice with you. Are you excited about it? Yeah. You can clap better than that, guys. It should be exciting. And why should it be exciting? Because we have an opportunity at a different life. We have an opportunity at something so much more fulfilling, but we can't just sit back and hear about it. We have to do it. We have to be active. We have to serve. We have to bring a lunch, offer a ride, and carry our towel ready to serve, ready to go low. So I encourage you, if it was your first time raising your hand up in a, a youth service or a church service, if you um, would just find your leader or find Jessica or I tonight um, and share that with us, we would love to encourage you. We always have Bibles available for anybody who doesn't have a Bible. We'd love to get you a Bible so that you can follow along on Wednesdays and maybe read it throughout the week. Um, 
well, we're going to turn it over to small group time now, and I'm just going to pray us out. Father God, we thank you for uh, your presence in this space. We thank you for the opportunity to chase after you. And God, we just ask that you would give us the opportunities to serve you this next week, no matter what it looks like. That we would be willing to go low, even to the point of washing our neighbor's feet, because we love you, Jesus, and we know that you're honored and glorified when we serve other people. Because we know that that is the gospel, to put others before ourselves. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, y'all can go to a small group. If you don't know where your small group is, be sure to ask a leader. We'd love to help you out with that. Love you guys.